0: It's a real honor, as a church family, to see some of our own go into vocational ministry. And I've told you before, I use that term because we are all in full-time Christian service. There are no part-timers in the work of the Lord. And each one of us has been called to that work. And we today have the privilege of recognizing what God has done Over the past months and, yes, years in Mike and Heather Goy's lives, recognizing his call upon their life and encouraging them to fulfill that call as God has prepared them and uniquely gifted them to vocationally serve him. There's a verse in Philippians chapter 1, it's verse 6. And we're going to be working on this verse all month. And I trust that it kind of sets the stage for us today. Let's read the verse together. We'll start with the reference and then we'll read the verse and then we will finish with the reference again. Here we go, all right? Philippians 1, 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion, at the day of Jesus Christ, Philippians 1, 6. That is our celebration today, right? God began a good work, and now he is thrusting the goys into a vocational place of ministry. Now, that doesn't mean he's done with Mike and Heather. But what it does mean is that they can complete the work, the call of God on their lives until his son comes back to take them home. And Mike and Heather are going to complete that work at a place called Camp Baracal. Now Camp Baracal has been part of Calvary Baptist Church ministry for a long, long time. Matt Kirkland is a board member at Camp Baracal. Matt, thank you for your ministry. Eunice Lepard's parents, the Browns, are on staff at Camp Baricel. Lee, PD, thank you so much for your ministry. Are there others here from Camp Barrakelle that I need to recognize this morning? The Garners are here. Paul, you and your wife, thank you so much for coming. Anybody else that I've missed? But this is the connection we have. And now we will have a continued personal connection in the lives of Mike and Heather Goy. Mike, Heather, Allison, Jared, I'm going to ask you to come up here and sit, would you please? This is as far down front as you've been for a while. And now now we're getting you down here just a little bit more. Aren't you glad I didn't put chairs up here? I thought about it. Today we're going to kind of break this commissioning into a couple of parts. One is going to focus on Mike and Heather and and their responsibilities and what God's going to do in their lives. And I'm going to ask Paul Gardner to come and share in that part. And then I'm going to share our responsibility as a church family. And then we're going to gather around Mike and Heather and pray for them and share with them and encourage them. And then we're going to go down to the AC and celebrate. So that's kind of the outline of what's going to take place the, the rest of this morning. Paul Gardner. Executive Director at Camp Barakal, so good to have him come with us today. Good to count you as a friend, Paul. Thank you so much. Uh, I don't know who gave you permission to take these folks. I think it was probably God. And his permission trumps anything that we would give. So, Paul, I'm going to ask you to come and, and, and share, and however you want to do it with these guys, that'll be great.
1: 14. I just want to look at a single verse in the book of Acts, the 14th chapter. Mike Goy, I remember very well that day in May when you showed up at Camp Barakel to work for the summer. I remember where I was when I saw you. I remember the color of your father's car as he dropped you off. (laughs) And little did I know that we would be back together May 1st, 2016. And Heather Ebles from Gull Lake showed up that. Was it that same day? I don't even know. Okay, when did you guys meet then? You didn't meet at camp, did you? You met at Battle Creek. Okay, very good. Acts chapter 14, verse 23. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord. In whom they had put their trust. There are just three items I want to draw your attention to. One is that the ones that Paul and Barnabas appointed were also exhorted. The ones that were appointed were also exhorted. Secondly, Paul and Barnabas prayed with them and prayed for them. It even says that they fasted. And thirdly, they committed them to the Lord. I take my first point about exhorting them actually from verse 22 in Acts 14 where it says they they encouraged them to remain true to the faith and told them we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. In the long yardstick of church history, there are very few inches where God's people have not suffered. And like in Heather, I do not know the specific hardships that you will go through as a missionary at Camp Barakel, but the word of God tells me that you will go through hardships. And I stand here today saying, remain true to the faith. Remain true to the faith. Remain true to the faith. I have lived long enough now to have seen missionaries go from being the age that Mike and Heather are to being old and some now with the Lord. And I have seen them remain true to God and true to his word. And Mike and Heather, I thank God for you. Be a part of this, your sending church. Continue to be a part of it. Be a part of the local church in Fairview. Be a part of the body of Christ that is at camp. And they, together, will walk with you as you remain true true. To the Lord and faithful to his word. I thank God for you. And I've prayed often for you. And secondly, our text says that the leaders prayed with them and prayed for them. Goys, always be honest enough to ask people to pray for you. Never miss an opportunity to ask people to pray. This is, and it is mysterious how this happens, but this is how the Lord builds his kingdom. I understand that you as a church body will be supporting the Goys financially, and I thank you for that. But Goys, if all you have is money, all you get is what money can do. It is when we, through through prayer, splice our limp wire to the lightning bolt of heaven that we get what God can accomplish. This whole event today is a solemn setting apart of you to the work of the gospel, And you should earnestly seek God in prayer throughout your ministry. And, and, not only should you seek him earnestly throughout your ministry in prayer, but and remember that there is one who pleads for you before the throne of God. The perfect one. Jesus himself ever lives and prays for you above. Depend on him as you enter into prayer. And thirdly, not only Do we exhort you, and secondly, pray for you, but now we commit you to the Lord. I want to draw your attention especially to the last phrase of verse 23, which reads, committed them to the Lord, comma, in whom they had put their trust. Mike and Heather, you have put your trust in the Lord for your justification, and now you daily put your trust in the Lord as you walk by faith. The point is not that you have a big faith, but that your faith is in a big God. It is God who matters the most. And you are facing many unknowns. There are many things that lie ahead of you that you do not know. I'm reminded of um, the long-standing custom in the British kingdom that the monarch addresses the commonwealth on Christmas Eve. It's come to be known as the King or Queen's Christmas Eve Address. Perhaps no speech was more historically important than the one given by King George VI in the year following World War II. Radio suddenly made it possible for English speaking people throughout the empire to hear him live. And those were all very difficult, really dreadful, fearful days for for Britain and really for the world. He closed his speech rather famously with these words. I said to the man at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may walk safely into the unknown. He said to me, go out into the darkness and put your hand in the hand of God and it shall be to you better than the light and safer than the known. And I would add that from international struggles to individual needs, the only hope that makes sense and the only hope that is legitimate is the hope that comes from God, in whom the Goys put their trust. And I want to close with the words of a man who spoke on January 21st, the year was 1741. The town was Hadley, Massachusetts. And they were setting apart a minister uh, to the work of the ministry there in the church. And so that I borrow these words, I mean them from the depth of my heart. I will quote now. I earnestly exhort you now and at all times to look to God and earnestly to seek him and wait upon him for his presence with you and his smile upon you in this great affair which you undertake that there may be a foundation of much great good to you and to your children. If God is pleased to bless you and succeed you in this undertaking, that alone will make you a happy couple and will be far better to you than if he had bestowed upon you thousands in gold and silver. Amen. Thank
0: you, Paul. Mike, Heather, a huge responsibility. And yet God has uniquely equipped you. But the verse that we be- began this service with in, first, in Philippians chapter 1 says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now that o- not only applies to Mike and Heather. This verse was written to a group of believers. It was written to the church at Philippi, and this good work that was going to be brought to completion is a work of ministry. It's a work that God is going to use to, to make a difference in people's lives. So as we grow together, we need to understand that part of our growth is to grow in ministry as we all share You know, Christianity is not a spectator sport. You understand that, don't you? We have not been saved to sit and soak. We have not been saved so that we can just enjoy each other's company. We have been saved to serve. Paul put it this way in Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created unto ministry, good works, that God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Each one who knows Jesus Christ as personal Savior needs to recognize the responsibility that we all have to ministry, whether it's at Barakal or whether it's in Battle Creek, whether it's at camp or whether it's in Calhoun County, whether it's ministering up and serving the, the kids or whether it's in Southwest Michigan. That is the responsibility that God has given to us. Now, Paul, I was glad that you had three points in a poem. Because a good message has three points, and I have three points this morning. That which is before us starts with the gospel. I don't want you to take time, but this afternoon, read Philippians chapter 1, and you will discover that the gospel is mentioned five times in that chapter. And it is the gospel that brings a person to the place that God can use them in a very special way. Trusting Jesus Christ as personal Savior puts a person in a position to live out those good works from their lives. Mike was a teenager when he trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior. And I'm going to ask him to come to the platform right now and share with us how the gospel impacted his life.
2: I also want to give thanks to my my family that has come to be with me on this special day. There's some special friends in the audience that are here today. Um, One very special friend, and we'll we'll get to that in a a few. But, uh, man, what a journey. All i got to say is, Woo! (laughs) It's, It's been incredible. I mean, in Psalm 20, it says, Some boast in chariots, but I boast in the name of the Lord our God. Today I stand before you to boast in the name of the Lord our God. Uh, What a journey. Um, I I like your enthusiasm to help us with the mic. Well, I I thought I would blow out some hearing aids, so I decided not to. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So uh, three years ago, our journey started. Actually, it was longer than that, but three years ago is when we called Camp Barrackell and said, we feel God calling us to Camp Barrackell, and uh, that's when it started. Um, Six months ago we were appointed as resident staff appointees at Camp Barakel, and could start raising support to come on board. Today, I stand before you, we are at 91% of our support level, we've sold our house, we're moving to Camp Barakel on June 11th. It's, it's been amazing. Um, God has been so good. Um, and, uh, but Pastor has asked me to share a little bit about my testimony. He only gave me two to three minutes, and I apologize in advance. It's probably going to take five, but... Uh, <laughs> I wrote it down because I have a bad habit of getting off track, but uh, like he said, I, I, I came to know Christ when I was 18 years old. Um, you know, I was, I was a good kid, uh, never in any serious trouble, uh, in part because I had good friends. Some, some are here today. Um, I went to church occasionally, and I believed in God, but the truth of the matter was I was lost. I was lost because I didn't know Jesus. And therefore, my salvation and eternity was not secure. But let me correct what I just said. I just said my eternity was not secure. But actually, my eternity was secured from the standpoint that all of our eternities are secure. Meaning, eternity, life after death, it's very real. And, uh, but the point, but that point in my life, eterni- my eternity was not with Jesus. How, how many of you know that there is a huge difference between believing and knowing? The difference is one of recognizing someone's exists, that someone exists versus truly knowing that, that someone and having a relationship with that person. To paint this picture of believing and knowing a different way, let's look at today's current presidential electoral race, right? We all know who Donald Trump is, right? we do you know he you know he's real right but how many of you really know donald trump see the difference believing knowing do you think that you knew donald do you think if you knew donald trump there might be some benefit to knowing him maybe invitations to elaborate parties financial help free hotel stays free golf You know, the life, it goes on and on and on. There is benefit to knowing somebody. The difference between believing and knowing is to know is to have a relationship. Um, It means there is some benefit to knowing a person. And there is no benefit to just simply believe in someone or something. So when I was 18... In August of 1992, I became friends with Jesus. I went from believing he existed to actually knowing him. I knew him for the first time and put my trust and faith in him and his work on the cross. On that day, my salvation and my eternity was secured. It wasn't anything that I did that, that earned it, me this right, but rather it was everything he did on the cross. He took my sin upon himself and offered me his free gift of salvation and eternal life. And you know what? I also knew him because somebody introduced me to him. You know, that's, a, that's our charge. We are to share the gospel. You know, it was my buddy Dale who, interdu- who introduced me to Jesus. Dale's here today. Thank you for being here, Dale. Yeah. Thank you for your faithfulness. And that's what my family will be doing at Camp Erichel as well. We'll be introducing people to Jesus. We'll be sharing his gospel. We'll be sharing his story. The story of redemption, hope, salvation. And I'm just going to leave you with one quote that a friend of mine uses often when signing his letters. And it's this. Now, I've come to love this quote. and I'm not going to use it because he, he, because he uses it. It's his. It's not he stole it too, but... But I'm not going to use it because he uses it more. (laughs) And it's this. If Christ has risen, nothing else matters. If Christ has not risen, nothing matters. Did you hear that? Deep truth in that quote. But uh, I wish I had a football up here because I would spike it in the end zone and do an end zone dance because we're fired up. We're so excited for what the Lord has done. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Calvary, for just your encouragement and your support. and. Um, Hear future and continue prayers. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you.
0: But it all starts with the gospel, doesn't it? Are you in Philippians chapter 1? Let me just remind you of what the gospel does in our lives. Verse 5 gives us a partnership. In verse 7, it confirms itself. In verse 12, we advance the gospel. In verse 16, there's the defense of the gospel. And then down to verse 27, we are to walk worthy of the gospel. That's what the gospel does, and it makes a difference. But not only do we have the gospel it brings us together, we also have God's grace. Here in Philippians chapter 1, Paul talks about partakers with me, verse 7, of his grace. The word partakers there is a compound word. And it uses konania, which is fellowship. But it also talks about sun konania. And so it is laborers together, participants, partakers of his grace. And each one of us here who knows Jesus Christ as personal Savior is a partaker, a participant, of the grace of God in our lives. You know, the grace of God changes everything. It really does. It is God giving to us what we do not deserve. Now, God's grace is not designed just so that we can sit around and be comfortable. So that we can find a hammock someplace and relax because we know that God's grace is sufficient to meet our needs. No, God's grace is given to us so that we might experience all of his power as we live a life that pleases him. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Ministry! That's God's grace! And God using His grace to allow us to serve Him in a very special way. Which leads us to good fruit. Paul prayed for these believers at Philippi, and we're not going to take the time this morning to look at that prayer. It begins in verse 9. He prayed that their love would abound, that they would know more and have more discernment, proving the things that are excellent, be pure and blameless. And verse 11 says that they would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Making our lives count with good fruit. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same brings forth fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Now we're familiar with the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, longsuffering, gentleness, meekness, faith. But it's that fruit that flows from our lives. The psalmist says in Psalm 1, blessed is the man. Who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the way of sinners, nor stands to see the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in this law he shall meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree, fruit tree, planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. And then the psalmist says, The ungodly are not so. That's not like the ungodly, but like the chaff which the wind bloweth away good fruit in our lives. And so, Calvary Baptist Church, as we share with Mike and Heather and Addison and Jared, this is a team ministry here, has a responsibility to continue to live out the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And to bring forth good fruit. For without him, we can do nothing. At least once a year, I have the privilege of going to the big house. That's what they call the football stadium over in A-squared, Michigan. That's Ann Arbor, for those of you who may not know that. I have trouble saying Ann Arbor, being from Columbus, Ohio. (laughs) But I sit over in in that stadium with 100,000 of my best friends, and we watch 22 guys in combat on the field in front of us. Somebody said a football game is 100,000 spectators who are in desperate need of exercise watching 22 players who are in desperate need of rest. (laughs) You know, the sad part is that's a lot like the church. 350 people called to do the work that God has ordained here in Battle Creek, Michigan. Each one having a responsibility, each one having a place in the body for the work of the ministry, Ephesians chapter 4. But how many people are really serving? And how many people are spectating what God has called us to do? Mike and Heather, young people in the work of the ministry, want to make their lives count. Mike is not going to get rich at Barrackell. You know that. Okay. But as Paul has said earlier, if you only have money, you only get what money can buy. And you guys, your family, Jared, Addison, are going to have the opportunity to make your lives count for the honor and glory of God. Thank you for being willing to allow God to work in your lives. And may we all be willing for God to work in our lives. But I am confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, Huh? We'll bring it to completion. When? Only when Christ comes back. That's the end. At the completion of the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today is a special day for us. And as we have been challenged, it's a day of investment. An investment in what God has called these guys to, and an investment to what God has called us to. I'm going to ask us to stand at this time, please. Will you stand with me, please? Mike and Heather, Jared, and Addison, I'm going to ask that you kind of gather here. I'm going to ask our global missions team to join me up front, will you please? All of those who serve on the GMT, Mike has been serving on the GMT, I'm going to ask our deacons to come join us up front. Gentlemen, would you please come and and share? And in this place at this time, thanks Pastor John, come on down. We want to demonstrate our support and our encouragement to what God is doing in Mike and Heather's lives as we stand with them understanding what God has called them to I'm going to ask Pastor Spencer to to lead us in a prayer of commitment a a prayer of dedication Christine I'm going to ask that you come to the instrument please and be prepared to, to share with us a Closing chorus. And as we stand, it is a symbol of our support and encouragement and ministry to what God is doing for His honor and His glory. Pastor
3: Spencer, please lead us in prayer. Father, This is a wonderful day for your church. I thank you, Father, for the call of God upon our lives. I thank you for your call upon the Goy family. I thank you, Father, that they were listening and heard and have responded and said yes. Father, we are thankful for Barakel, Camp Barakel. We thank you for the impact it's had on our young people, our young adults, our adults for all of these years and continues to have. We thank you for the ministry that so effectively, Lord, draws men and women, boys and girls To place their hope and trust in Jesus Christ. And now we thank you, Father, for Mike and Heather and their kids as they have committed themselves. And now we, recognizing your call upon their lives, praising you for how wonderfully, miraculously, you have provided for them in these last six months. God, we commend them, we send them, we commit them. But Father, in any way we can, we go with them to participate in what you are calling them to do. I pray God that you'll bless them. I pray God that the kids will be blessed in this move and they will see your hand clearly upon their family. I pray God that Mike would be good at what you are calling him to do, that you would cause him to be excellent in the ministries that you give him. I pray, God, that Heather might find her place serving alongside of Mike. I pray, God, that you will be glorified. They will be blessed. And, Father, in all of this, thank you for allowing us to be a part. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Amen. This is a great day because the greatest
0: thing in all our lives begins with the gospel. It's loving you. The greatest thing in all our lives is God's grace, knowing him. And the greatest thing in all our lives is our good works, serving him. Let's sing this chorus together, please.